You are listening to the Feast Podcast from the Light of Jesus family. We share heartfelt and inspirational messages for you to reflect on and pray about. May this message help you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself to God's unlimited blessings. Brother Bo is in a pilgrimage in the Holy Land, so I get to preach to all of you today. So hopefully, you know, in the next few minutes while we're together, can I encourage you to do something for me? Can I encourage you to loosen up? Lighten up, okay? Go ahead and do this. And then touch your neighbor and tell that person, lighten up. You know, life's too short to take life seriously. So hopefully in the next few minutes, we were able to receive this message with love. Because if you sit there frowning, people will know that I'm talking about you. So smile, okay? We're going to have fun. Are you ready to have fun? All right, so JC gave us the first lesson from the David Bathsheba story. What's the first lesson? Always be in battle. Say that with me. Always be in battle. Here's the second lesson, lesson number two. Never leave your squad. Can you elbow the person next to you? Tell that person, never leave your squad. That's right. You know, uh, JC shared something very important earlier. He said that one of the reasons why David uh, fell into temptation that day was because he was away from his comrades. And Peter said something so powerful one time. He said that the enemy or the devil is the enemy. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. And you know, in so many ways, that's true. The enemy is like a lion looking for somebody to devour. You want to know why? Because when lions hunt, this is the way they hunt, All right. Whenever you see deer and zebra and and gazelles, when they travel, they don't travel alone. They travel in herds. Not because they like each other that much, but it's because they know that's the only way that they can survive together. All right. The number one rule in the jungle is this. If you're alone you're dead. You might as well lie down on a plate, pour ketchup all over your body because you will be eaten alive. Unless the lion is really that hungry, it's going to think twice about attacking a herd, you know, so many animals. But if you're all alone, the lion won't even think. It's just going to pounce on you and attack you. Do you understand what I'm saying? I heard this story once about this guy who was camping in the jungle all by himself. And then as he was about to pitch the tent, all of a sudden from behind him, he hears a loud growl. And so he turns around and sees this big massive lion with its mouth wide open and sharp teeth. And so in that instant, this guy fell on his knees and he started praying like he never prayed before. He started calling out to God, Lord, please spare my life. Please, please, please give this lion the heart of a Christian. And so all of a sudden, the lion stops growling. And the lion sits up. And the guy is relieved. Oh my gosh, he was about to witness a miracle. And then the lion's paw goes to its head. And then touches its arms. And then opens its mouth and says, Bless me, O Lord, for these thy gifts. crazy, right? Go ahead, you can clap your hands. I brought some jokes today. (laughs) There are two kinds of groups in an army. How many? Two, two kinds of group. One One is called a platoon. Can you say that word platoon? And the other one is called a squad. Say squad. 
Let me tell you the difference, all right? A squad will have a maximum of 50 soldiers in one squad, all right? 50 soldiers. And if you think about it, that's roughly the amount of people that you have in your life that you probably work with, relate to, and meet on a regular basis. You know, roughly around 50 people, yes? This people will be considered your platoon, who are considered part of your platoon. You know, they share the same mission as you, the same goals. Chances are they have the same likes and dislikes as you do. But as wonderful as this group is in your life, you know, you need something that's smaller. Say smaller. Something that's more intimate. And that's what you call a squad. In the army, a squad will have a maximum of about nine soldiers. And again, if you think about it, that's roughly the same amount of people that you would have in your life who know everything there is to know about you. You know, they know all about your weird smell. They know all about your strange habits. They know that you talk at night while you're asleep. They know how you fart in your sleep. You know, crazy stuff. But even though they know all these things about you, your worst fears, your deepest wounds, they still love you and they still accept you in their life. Yes? Now, the people in your platoon are there in your life because they share the same goal. But guess what? The moment their goal changes or they find a better platoon, they're going to leave you. They're going to leave you. And that's fine. That's okay because you release them with love because you want them to grow. You want God to grow them, all right? Sometimes God will send people in your life only for a specific season. And once that season is over, they move on and you need to move on too. So could you remind the person beside you, you need to move on. Once that season is over, you got to move on. But your squad is a little bit different, alright? Your squad is a little bit different. Because these people in your squad, no matter how much you try to push them away or try to shoo them away, or sometimes you even give them permission to go away, for some reason, they choose to stay. You have some people like that in your life, people who stick with you no matter what, good times, bad times, you know? They're there all the time, even if you push them away, even if you want them to go away. They're there. Aren't you grateful for people like that? Yes? Squad people in your life. You need a squad. See, the people in your platoon are with you in your life because you share the same goal. But the people in your squad are in your life because for some reason, you have become their mission. You see the difference? For me, my platoon is the feast. Especially the feast leaders. These are the people I walk with. These are the people I journey with spiritually. You know, they help me grow. But as wonderful as these people are in my life, they make me happy and they help me grow, grow deeper in God. I need a smaller circle. I need a squad in my life. In fact, I have three kinds of squad. My first squad is my wife. She's part of my first squad. Although sometimes my wife feels like and acts like she's the commanding officer more than being part of my squad. Sometimes she's just general. But you know, she's part of my squad because she knows everything about me and she still loves me and accepts me. My second squad is my family. They know my past, they know my history, and they still accept me for who I am. My third squad is my light group. The very few people that I walk with, do life with, these are the people I run to whenever there's trouble, whenever I need something, they pray for me, they minister to me. See, your platoon may leave you, or you may leave your platoon one day, but never, ever, ever leave your squad. Are we clear on that? Could you remind the person beside you, just in case they didn't get it, never leave your squad. 
That's lesson number two. Here's lesson number three. Defeat the enemy when it's small. Say that with me. Defeat the enemy when it's small. Let's read from 2 Samuel about the story of David. It says here that from the roof, from where David was positioned, he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. See, the moment David saw her bathing, how many of you would agree with me that he should have stopped right there? He should have said to himself, Oh, mamma mia, what did I just see? I should call my wife in case something, some, I do something stupid. You got to go home, boy, home. How many of you agree that that's what David should have done? Raise your hand. Yes. But David didn't do that. Instead, David picked up his phone, but not to call the wife, but to take photos of that woman. Eventually, you know what happened? David was able to find out about her name. It says here, verse 3, The man said she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. You know, the Bible is so funny sometimes. The bathing woman's name is Bathsheba. Aren't you glad that she wasn't showering or else her parents would have named her Shower Sheba? <laughs> anyway. So, when David found out about that piece of information, you know, David should have again stopped right there. He should have said to himself, wait a minute, this woman is married. And she's even married to one of my soldiers, Uriah, the guy who's fighting for me in my war. What am I doing? You gotta go home, boy, home. But again, David didn't do that. Instead, what did he do? he had someone fetch the woman and even invite her for dinner. David was probably thinking in his head, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with a little dinner. Nothing wrong with some chit-chat amongst friends. Married people, raise your hand. Come on. That's where it all begins. When you start saying, well, there's nothing wrong with sending a little friend request. There's nothing wrong with chatting with that person in the middle of the night at 2 a.m. There's nothing wrong with meeting that person for a cup of coffee in the middle of the day in that dark corner somewhere. That's how it all begins, my dear friends. That's what David thought. There's nothing wrong with the friendly dinner. Except that that dinner was not very friendly because it says that after a few weeks, the woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. That doesn't sound like dinner, does it? That sounds more like dinner plus dessert. <laughs> There's a lesson to be learned here, my dear friends. Big sins don't always start out big. Usually they start out small. It starts in the form of a seed. So while it's still in the form of a seed, you got to defeat the enemy while it's still small. Because when it gets bigger, it's going to be more difficult to destroy. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why... Jesus was so concerned about our thoughts when He said in Matthew chapter 5, He said, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. All the married people, listen to this. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already, say already, already committed adultery. It sounds harsh, yes? But that's the truth. Because then you know that it all starts with just one thought. So before you even entertain that small thought, you got to kill that thought. Be while that, that desire is still just in your heart, you got to crush that desire. Amen? 
Some of you are saying, Uy, sabi ni Brother Odi, if you desire, if you desire it, you crush it. So alam mo, I desire you, so I crush you. That's not what I mean, okay? I want you to crush that desire, obliterate it, destroy it, nuclear bomb it, whatever. You gotta just make sure that you destroy it while it's still small, or else when it gets big, it's gonna destroy you, it's gonna destroy your marriage, your life, your relationships, and everything that you hold dear. Amen? Amen. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering. That's lesson number three. Now, before I give you lesson number four and close on my final point, I want you to turn your attention to the screen because somebody's going to inspire you and give you a message about the value of purity. All right, let's play the video. As you're listening to this message, I will be in the Holy Land. And I want you to listen carefully to what I want to share with you. It's a little bit personal. It's from the heart. And let me begin in this way. What is purity? Purity for many people is a lot of don'ts. Don't commit adultery and don't have premarital sex and don't have porn. But my friend, I think that's a very crude definition of what purity is. Purity is valuing who you are. Understanding that God loves you and you are more precious than anything else on planet Earth. In fact, God left heaven for you. He left His throne for a manger in Bethlehem. You are so precious and you are so valuable. That's how valuable you are. And purity is valuing you, valuing this precious gift that you are. And, well, think about it. When you do not value who you are, you throw yourself to anyone, even anyone who is not committing to, you know, a marriage covenant with you. You're just, oh, I'm okay. I'm, 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 I'm his, you know, like even for just, no, you have to value who you are. Sex is so pure and so sacred and so wonderful and so beautiful. It is God's gift. And, and sex is so, such a wonderful total self-donation to one person. And so that one person has to be within the marriage covenant who's going to be there for life. Value yourself. Can I tell you a story? Imagine if your grandmother calls you to a room and this grandmother says, you know, let's say you're a teenager and says, son, I'm going to give you a very, very special gift and gets your hand, opens it and puts right there in the middle of your palm a loose diamond and then she holds she closes your palm and says treasure this one day when you meet the girl of your dreams on the wedding day put 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 this diamond in a golden gold ring and then give this ring to her and, and you say thank you Lola and then you walk out of the room but you being a teenager whose brain doesn't function sometimes <laughs> you look at your rubber shoe and you see some metal studs and you see stickers and you say oh the diamond will be a nice addition to the collection and you get glue and, and and you glue the diamond in your rubber shoe of course one week later you look at your rubber shoe and the diamond is gone and why because the diamond is supposed to be set on a ring not on a rubber shoe and that night 
when you know when you knew that the diamond was gone your grandmother calls you again to her room and the grandmother says son better be careful with what i gave you that is worth three million pesos and you say oh oh sex is like that diamond sex is so precious and so beautiful and so valuable you are so valuable treat it that way don't put it in your rubber shoe put it in the gold ring that will be a symbol of eternal love it should be within the confines of marriage why am i sharing that to you you know I look at my own life and I've made mistakes. I had a, I had a before, before I was married to my wife, I had, I had a relationship of four years with, with my girlfriend. And I, my, my wife also had a relationship before me. And I, we've, we've made mistakes. We, we did things with our previous partners that we should have done. That, you know, stuff that we, we've, that should have been only for married, couples but we were young and we were in love quote-unquote and you know lust entered into the picture I remember that night when you know I was courting Maru and for a few few months already and finally she was gonna give her yes to me but she said are you sure you 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 want me I said why is it I made mistakes she said I had a boyfriend for six years and and um, I don't even know if I'm still a virgin. <laughs> don't laugh at me because that's how ignorant I was in what we were doing. And I looked at her and I said, look, I, I accept you as you are and, and I, I love you as, you as you are and you're not defined by your past mistakes. You are God's daughter. You, you are a princess of the kingdom and I love you. And... That, that was that was that beautiful moment and I want to share that to you a lot of singles I meet they they think that oh I'm, I'm no longer uh, a virgin and and uh, you know I might as well do it for you know just do it with with anyone you know because I'm not hey more important than physical virginity is spiritual virginity you can press the reset button. You can start afresh. You can start anew. You can say, no, from this day on, I'm going to treat myself as that diamond. And, uh, you know, if a diamond falls on the ground and gets a little bit dirty, you don't say, oh, dirty, no more. I don't like it anymore. No, that's a diamond. <laughs> that's millions <laughs> or, or whatever. It's, it's, it's expensive. And you pick it up and you wash it. And in the same way, if you fell in the past, you can press the reset button. You can say no from this day on. That's what we did with Maru. Maru and I, you know, we, we made that decision. When, when we became boyfriend and girlfriend, I said, okay, I'm, I'm not going to kiss you on the lips. And, and, you know, she said, what do you mean? Yeah, I'm not going to kiss you on the lips until I plant my knee on the ground and ask for your hand in marriage. And she said, uh, okay. And, and, and it was difficult. It was so difficult, you know, because she was so lovely. But I stopped myself because I knew myself. I knew that if I kiss her on the lips, I will want to kiss other parts of her body. <laughs> so might as well not start. You know, we've been married for 20 years. And we look back at that season of our lives when we tried our best to be pure. And we treasure, we treasure that season. And so I speak God's word to you. 
you know, we found out you know, later on, uh, you know, my, me and my and, and, and Maru, we were what, maybe we, we, we entered into marriage as technical virgins because because it's true we, we never went all the way, but we did enough stuff that should have been only for married couples. Um, but it's amazing how God cleanses, washes, changes, and makes everything new. It's amazing how His forgiveness and His love, and that's what I want to share with you today. Once again, God will make all things new for you. Purity is a gift, one of the most massive blessings that you can give yourself, your marriage, or your future marriage. God bless you. Can I invite everybody to stand as we close? Did you learn anything yet? Has it been helpful? Let me give you lesson number four. Is that all right? Lesson number four. But before I give you that lesson, I want to ask you this question. How many of you have ever fallen into temptation? Honest hands up in the air. You've lost the battle. At least one point in your life. I want to tell you that just because you've lost the battle, it doesn't automatically mean that you've lost the war. You know, when you lose a battle, you still have the chance to reset, to, to retreat, and restart. But the one thing you should never ever do is pretend that nothing happened. That everything is okay. Because the only way to recover from a defeat is by admitting your defeat. That's lesson number four. Never cover up a defeat. Say that with me. Never cover up a defeat. Never cover up a defeat. Because that's what David did. When he found out that he impregnated Bathsheba, you know what he did? He sent back the husband, Uriah, who was in the war, because he was hoping that he would sleep with his wife and that people would think that the baby would be from the husband. But the one thing that David was not able to calculate was that Uriah was a very noble man. So this guy, when he got home, he didn't sleep in his house, didn't sleep in his bed, he didn't even sleep with his wife. Why? Because he, was, he wanted to give honor and he wanted to remember all his comrades, his squad, who was still fighting in the cold and in the, in the rain. So he didn't do it. So David, to save himself, he did the unthinkable. It says in verse 14, In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab, one of his superiors and leaders. And then he sent that letter to, uh, with Uriah. In it he wrote, Put Uriah out in front where the fighting is fiercest. Then withdraw him so he will be struck down and die. David murdered Uriah. He killed Uriah. Here's the lesson, my dear friends. When you cover up sin, it's only going to get bigger. When you conceal the sin, it's only going to get stronger. Have you ever tried to conceal the stench coming from wet underarms? I know that it's such a graphic description. Try not to imagine it. But you know, that's the truth. I've lived, you know, my entire elementary life. You know, at the end of the day, you will have a certain smell. Yes, when you're young. And no matter how much cologne you put, you know, no matter how much Drakkar Noir you put, no matter how much Jovan Musk you put, no matter how much Brut 
cologne you put, you know those scents? Then you're as old as me if you know that. No matter how much cologne you put, the more you try to conceal it, the more powerful it gets. You understand what I'm saying? Now, it's the same thing with your sin. If you committed a sin against God, the more you try to conceal that sin, the bigger it will be. So if you're Catholic, here's my suggestion. Go to a priest, get confession, expose that sin. You know, in the dark, in the dark, the sin only gets stronger. But when you expose the sin to the light, sin loses its power. In fact, you can even confess your sins to each other, to your squad, to the close people around you, accountability partners. That's what James says, confess your sins to each other. But one thing you should never do is hide that sin because you got to remember that God cannot heal what you continue to conceal. He cannot heal what you continue to conceal. you got to reveal that thing so that God can heal that thing. You understand what I'm saying? I really believe this, my dear friends. I really believe this. The Bible says that everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. So if there is a burden that you're carrying right now in your life because of the sheer weight of that sin, the only way you can lighten that load is if you expose it to the light. And I really believe that we all have a room in our life where we keep all our deepest, darkest secrets. You agree with me? We all have that room. And these are secrets that none of the, the people standing next to you know of. If they knew this, this, this secret, they wouldn't be standing next to you. And God sees that sin. God sees that secret. But God is not able to heal what you are unwilling to hand over to Him. It's got to be you. It's got to be you to expose it, to reveal it, and open the door. So maybe today is that day that you finally open your door and give it to God. God, here I am. I'm broken. I'm sinful. But I know that you're forgiving me. Maybe today is that day. I want you to think about this, what Brother Bo said. That you may be the diamond in the mud. You may be the diamond that got stained. You're full of sin. But you got to also remember this. That even with all that mud, even with all that stain, even with all that guilt, it doesn't change the fact that you are still a diamond. You're more valuable than you think you are. You're more precious than you think you are. In the eyes of God, you are still His child. But it's got to be you. It's got to be you. It's got to be you to open it up. It's got to be you to hand over that defeat and tell God, I've lost this battle, God, but I can still win the war. Are you ready to commit your sin to God today? To let God take care of that sin. If you are, can I invite you to raise every hand in this place from the front to the back, from all the way to the top, if this is comfortable for you. Everybody say this with me, Jesus. Come on, everybody say, Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And so I come before you with my sin, with my shame, with my guilt, and I give it to you. I ask you, to cleanse me, purify me, and make me brand new. Make me your child again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Light of Jesus family. For more messages like these, visit lightfam.com and click on Feast Teachings.